Perverted, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Afroverdi podcast with your host Victor Anakin. On the 21st of September, the world celebrated International Peace Day. So what do African countries need to obtain peace and how does the West provoke instability for its own benefit? Now joining me is Dr. Chironyashi Nyere, Research Fellow at the Institute of Pan-African Thought and Conversation, University of Johannesburg. Dr. Nere, welcome to Afroverdict. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Victor. It really is my pleasure to be here. No, we're we're truly honored by your presence. Thanks, man. All right, let's start with a sort of a general intro. In your opinion, what are the major obstacles on the path to ensuring lasting peace on the African continent? So I just want to put it on record firstly that the African continent has no history whatsoever of going to meddle in the domestic affairs of other continents. So I just want to put that clearly, because as Africans uh, in all of Africa, we do believe in peaceful coexistence. Uh, Hence, I'm highlighting there's no history whatsoever of Africans leaving their own continent to go and cause havoc elsewhere. So I think it is quite important that you are hosting uh, this show and you are interviewing an African because I think we do have moral high ground to be pontificating on peaceful solutions. However, that does not mean we do not have our own issues in Africa. Like you rightly say, there are a lot of issues in terms of conflict, in terms of wars that are fought on African soil. May I also just highlight the fact that it is not all wars that are fought on African soil that are African, because there is a lot of foreign intervention in Africa. But to answer your question specifically, what is it that we need to do to ensure uh, the peaceful coexistence uh, of countries in Africa and the world? I think where we should really start is that um, we have to have institutions that are credible, that guarantee peace. By that I mean, we have as Africans, as the African continent, we have to unite, not only in word, but in deed. And I'll go into the finer details on how that unification should uh, come about and go about, because it is easy for Africa to be manipulated, particularly by um, foreign forces, precisely because we are fragmented as Africa. We are not united in spite of the rhetoric of unity and in spite of the rhetoric of peaceful coexistence, we need to action it and solidify and consolidate that. So that would be my opening uh, remarks and statement. All right, thanks a lot, Doc. Appreciate that. You know, you mentioned foreign interference. Western countries have a long history of provoking instability on the African continent. And according to a statement by South African Foreign Minister, Uh, Nowadays, the West is known to support, quote, opposition groups against former liberation movements, close quote, to promote their mineral interests on the continent. Tell us, how can African countries resist this foreign interference? So it is very complicated. It's not easy to resist uh, foreign interference. And maybe let me clarify what I mean by that. So Africa... 
uh, lives and coexists in the world. So we should be cognizant of that fact. We cannot just be Africans for Africa in the world. We should realize that there is need for trade with other partners in the world. We should recognize that there is need for other relations, be they economic relations, be they political relations, be they social re relations. There is need for um, a, a mutual relationships, Africa and the world versus the world and Africa. So that's the first thing. What do we need to do, therefore, um, is that we, we should be cognizant of the fact that in Africa, foreign domination and foreign interference is quite prevalent. So if you look at the liberation movements, the liberation movements uh, came about as a way to resist uh, colonial dominance, as a way to resist imperial dominance and the imperial expansion of other spaces and countries. So this is what we should be cognizant of, the, of because it is a fact that these liberation uh, movements brought independence, political independence um, from the West. However, the West has a bond to choose because the, the very fact that they were fought sometimes militarily by African nationalists, uh, it could have not set well with them because their idea and objective was to dominate in order to take over our minerals, right? That has been frustrated somewhat. So it is understandable why they would be favoring opposition political parties in Africa, right? Because they have a bond to chew and they are exploiting opposition politics. So it is not wrong for Africa to have opposition political parties. It is necessary because that's just a precondition for democracies all over the world. However, the West being the West, they always interfere, they exploit that gap where we fight each other politically. And by fight, I'm not necessarily speaking of a physical fight, but it could be even a fight of ideologies. So when political parties tend to canvas for, for, for votes, they all demanded to, to run the, the national office Political parties, of course, they will always use contestation. And sometimes the rhetoric that they use is that of war, is that uh, of force. And sometimes it has been misconstrued, not only by Africans themselves, but also by the West. And the West normally would take advantage of such. Now, it's, it's one thing to support uh, opposition political parties. But it is also another for these very liberation movements to respect the rule of law, to respect the voices of their citizens. Because it cannot be that we will all see on from the same perspective, that we will all see uh, and, and always be on common ground. Right, There would be room for contestation, there would be room for differences and divergences, and that is not an anomaly. It is a normal thing that any democratic society uh, has to engage with and find a way, find each other in terms of the differences. 
but we should be careful because when foreign um, militaries or even foreign aid and foreign governments, when they come in and exploit those differences and those divergences, it is not for the good of Africa. It is precisely what you mentioned. They are guarding against their own interests and their interests are to exploit Africa in terms of Africa's mineral resources. So it is a delicate balance that Africans should be aware of going forward, especially as we celebrate the International Day of Peace. And what can African states, perhaps closer collaboration, you know what I mean? What can African states do to resist? Because I imagine that it is quite lucrative to give up minerals for certain advantages or support from the Western world. What can the heads of states of Africa do to prevent these outcomes where eventually the African land, the African minerals and people are getting exploited? So I've argued elsewhere that what we need to do as Africans first and foremost is to unite, is to unionize, is to come together. How does how does that look like? How should we do that? Um, I think we should establish one common currency, right? One common currency in order for us to be able to trade amongst ourselves and trade um, with our minerals according to our own terms. Because the current economic climate, the current underlying structure is that of capitalism. So when we look at economics, um, the, the economics we know today are embedded in capitalism. And I've argued also elsewhere that capitalism was not designed for the exploitation or for the beneficiation of Africans. Uh, Africans were not part of that uh, because the, the capitalist system inherently is hierarchical and the hierarchy is determined by race. So the whites and, and the Caucasian uh, populations are at the apex of that pyramid. At the base of the pyramid is the black person, is the African. So it doesn't matter um, how you try to transform that system. It is inherently um, biased. It is inherently racist. It is inherently gendered. So you would all, always find that there is always an intersectionality, particularly when it comes to issues that affect black women. They are the most affected by this capitalist system. But that's not what you're asking. I'm just painting a picture so that we are aware of what it is that we should be doing or we should be fighting as Africans. So the first thing is for us to come together, establish one common currency so that when we trade amongst ourselves, we can consolidate that trade and we do not need to be involving uh, the, the United States dollar. So that's the first thing. We should also come together in terms of our military forces. It is easy today for any global player to come and manipulate Africans because you would come and negotiate with South Africa and you negotiate this deal. That may seem lucrative for South Africa. And this global player may also go to the neighboring country, Lesotho or Zimbabwe, and negotiate a different deal with different terms. Right? So it's easy to penetrate Africa uh, because the structure of our governance allows for that. So unless we change that structure, unless we come together and form one military, one state, uh, one currency, one military. In, in, in other words, we have to have a unified administrative seat. 
Now, that may sound uh, astounding, but it is doable and it has been done elsewhere. This is where we should begin, so that when any other country comes to negotiate with Africa, they are negotiating with Africa as a whole. And we, we can always um, consolidate the structures we already have in terms of the African Union. So the African Union is a structure already. However, it is not supported uh, as it ought to be, particularly by African governments, because one other thing is that the very African leaders are also ambitious, right? They, it's better for them to be presidents in these little countries than for them to come together, have one president, have one structure of government, which will ensure that when we discuss and when we negotiate as Africans, we negotiate as one and we negotiate to the, to the benefit of our of our continent. So this is what I mean when we say Africa should unionize in deed and in action, we are saying it's high time for Africa to identify itself as a unit. Africa is unitary. This fragmentation is not of our own making anyway. It is a European making in terms of what they did uh, at, at the Berlin West Africa Conference in 1882, 1885. Right, Africa was partitioned according to European whims. So unless we fundamentally deal with that problematic structure, we are backing up the wrong tree. So this is where we should be starting as Africans. For those of you that have just tuned in, this is your host, Vic Tanikin, and you're listening to Afro Verdict brought to you by Sputnik Africa. We've just touched on points around the Western states restricting African freedom by exploiting its resources and thus making the continent dependent on the collective West. But how can African countries resist this and carve their own path to peace? Let's find out. Many African countries become financially dependent on Western NGOs in the field of specifically education, healthcare and environment, as well as on multinational companies, which in turn turn out to weaken local political governance by taking over some of the government's prerogatives, so to say. What threats does it pose for peace in Africa and what are the ways of strengthening sovereignty of African countries? So there's this famous um English axiom, it goes, he who pays the piper calls the tune, right? And this is the danger that we face as Africans because we have weak institutions, we, we have failed to agree amongst ourselves, we have failed to consolidate the structures that we have in order to give them teeth, right? Uh, right now, all these structures, they remain just bulldogs, but they have no teeth to bite. And the teeth to bite can only be guaranteed by putting our money where our mouth is. So unless we fund ourselves, so fundamentally, we have to fund ourselves. Ain't it ironic that Africa is the richest continent in the world in terms of mineral resources? Yet it ranks so poorly in healthcare, it ranks so poorly in education, it ranks so poorly in social services. Yet these are the very basics that what the very basics of what governments should be providing. 
it is very worrisome that we get to be so dependent on Western countries that we know already that have an agenda against us. Right? It's very worrisome for African governments to continue to allow this situation to unfold and it perpetuates itself. It shouldn't be that we depend on other countries in terms of financing ourselves. So, for example, I get worried that the African Union, the whole African Union, much of its budget comes from the European Union. That shouldn't be. Right? That shouldn't be. In terms of the mineral resources that we have in the world, we really should be at a place of advantage. No one should be poor in Africa. If we managed these resources properly, no one should be poor in Africa. However, we know that because of the um, capitalist economic structure, it is difficult to maneuver that. Hence, I have called for this particular um, point that we need to develop our own currency so that we circumnavigate away from the American dollar because the American dollar, of course, is dominant. It has enjoyed dominance in the world for decades, right? It's, it's privileged. So in all transactions that we do in Africa, as long as we continue to use and involve the American dollar, we are inviting uh, unwarranted um, force and unwarranted watchmen in our domains. This is really simple. We should unite and bring our currencies together so that then there is no um, place for external outside influence. But we should fund ourselves. We cannot be dependent for, on aid. We should be providing aid. It cannot be that we are aid recipients in this day and age. Um, so unless we, we look into those issues seriously, uh, I'm afraid we, we will not um, reverse anything and we will not transform. So the basic, the basic point that I'm making uh, as we celebrate this day is to make an appeal to African leaders, to African governments, that let us come together, let us unite, let us uh, come together in terms of our currencies, in terms of our military, in terms of our uh, political structures, we can do this. And that will alleviate some of these challenges that we continually face year in, year out. Unity in, in purpose, unity in action, unity in deed will guarantee that we come out stronger and we can determine ourselves. The next point I want to talk to you about is terrorism, as that is one of the major threats for peace in Africa. Do you think the newly formed Alliance of Sahil States will contribute to the efforts in fighting terrorism in the region? Thank you for that question. Yes, I think there is uh, wisdom there. Because if you look at Mali particularly, right, uh, if you look at Mali in terms of the insurgency that the Malian authorities were trying to fight off um, with the help of the French, of course, at that time, um, those efforts did not materialize. Uh, rather, they, they didn't really have positive um, uh, results because part of the problem was that these insurgents or these terrorist groups they do not operate from one base. They, they do not operate from one country. 
right? They would find solace in neighboring countries. So in Burkina Faso, for example, right, they would be running off to Chad, they'll be running off to Cameroon even. So because of of the nature of terrorism, they've mastered the game, they've mastered the art, that they will not be striking from one particular base. They can be easily apprehended. It takes different forms and different bases, and you hit where when there is least expectation. So this is how terrorism has managed to, to go around in that region. So, and I've argued elsewhere um, that the, the Sahelian authorities should come together so that they deal with this at a regional level. And I actually welcome um, this formation because it responds to the very issues that have been noted, not only by myself, but by other researchers in that region, to say it's very difficult to anticipate and it's very difficult to police and monitor and eventually arrest terrorism because they, they are they are cross-territorial cross uh, boundaries. They are international. They go into one country, um, they come again, regroup and uh, attack from a different country. So unless all these authorities are involved, they won't be proper uh, results. They won't be accurate uh, arresting of, of the insurgency. So I think this is a way forward, which is uh, very good. And I think because it's a regional effort um, and there's more funding and there's more personnel and, and you can even speak about the intelligence. If, if these institutions come together, there are better prospects of arresting insurgency and terrorism in the Sahel region. And also, uh, hopefully, it also affects military coups. All right. Thanks a lot. Quickly, my last question, we literally have uh, two, three minutes left. Also, I don't want to keep you occupied for too long. In general, how would you estimate the current state of security architecture in the African region, on the African continent in general? It is very weak, uh, unfortunately. It is very weak. And this is why I often call for a regrouping of our military forces. Um, because when we speak of security, we are not only speaking uh, about our military, but the military plays a significant and important role. We should be able to defend ourselves should there be threats coming from any quarter, right? So that's the first measure. The first measure will be how prepared are we to defend ourselves, not to attack anyone. Africa, Africans really do not, uh, they are not in the business of attacking uh, other countries or other continents. We are not into that business. But we should be able to defend ourselves should there be uh, such attacks because time and time again, it has been proven and this continues to happen. Foreign interventions come and use us and pit us one against the other. And because of the fragmented nature, we, we tend to fall for that, um, for that trip. However, going forward, um, if our militaries come together, if we have one military, one solid military and one intelligence organization, it will be easy. In, in other words, by one, I'm not really speaking uh, about one numerically. I'm speaking about one qualitatively in terms of centralization. We have to be centralized uh, in terms of our organization. Without the central organization, uh, it's very difficult to monitor and execute a plan. 
So there is need for that central organization, central administration to look into these issues. But right now, to really answer your question, our security architecture is quite weak. We are vulnerable. Um, if any attack comes, it's very, it, it takes time. For, for us to uh, gather ourselves, be it a peacekeeping force or a, a force to respond to the direct fire. So, yeah, I'm afraid it, it's not looking good. What partners can African countries rely on, except for each other? There are other partners, um, of course, not the West. And, and that does not mean we rule out that maybe one day they may want to engage with us as equals. But there are other partners that have shown um, that they are willing to engage with Africans uh, on different bases. So we can look at the Chinese model, right? I have, I have my own reservations and issues that I have tabled elsewhere with the Chinese model. However, they remain uh, a, a trusted partner because they've been there for us. They've, they've worked with us in, in terms of our liberation struggles in, in Africa to, to, towards uh, the West. So we, we know we can always rely on, on the uh, Chinese, but also Russians. Um, Russia stands uh, in very good moral high ground, especially when it comes to Africa. That's why sometimes I think Africans or African leaders tend to listen um, and tend to be sympathetic um, to the to the Russians because they, they have no record of colonialism whatsoever. They have never occupied uh, any African state. Let's speak about about the Russians in relation to Africa. Um, they have their own issues uh, right now with, with the whole Ukraine and Crimea, uh, that region, they have their own issues there. But when it comes to Africa, they have never forcibly uh, occupied any African uh, territory. And they, they always are willing to, to partner with Africa. So we have we have these as examples. We have the Chinese, we have the Russians. And I believe there are many more that sometimes maybe I am not aware of. Uh, but I believe there are many other partners that are willing to partner with Africa, that are willing to engage with Africa as equals. Not what the Europeans tended to do, because with the Europeans, we know it's problematic. Um, Africans had no agency. Africans had no choice. It's like they, they were not even involved um, in any decisions. Right, so it's it's problematic, but we have seen with these two, particularly that I've mentioned, um, there are better prospects of engagement with with uh, with these. Um, and if you look at at uh, Brazil, the Americas, we share similar histories, right, in terms of being uh, dominated by foreign mm -hmm. forces and and trying to uh, come out of that situation. So we know we can always rely. With uh, we can always rely on countries in the global south in general because we share similar histories in terms of colonialism, in terms of resistance to colonialism and imperialism, and imagine uh, after colonialism. So we we have a, a lot of people to learn from. We have a lot of countries to engage with and to to grow with. All right, Dr. Nyeri, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time and effort. Absolutely beautiful. Thanks for coming on air today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate you. 
Afroverdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Okay, well, out of our conversation with Dr. Chido Chashinere, we can make a point that it's easy for foreign actors to manipulate a fragmented Africa. Thus, Africa should unite, and like Doc said, not in word, but in deed. And a good first step toward that is, of course, a common currency. Other than that, African states need to, of course, strengthen governance to minimize foreign interference. Dear listeners, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can always listen to the After Verdict podcast on various platforms such as Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Podcast Addict, as well as AfriPods. Check out us putting Africa Telegram channel, TikTok account, and other socials to always stay up to date on local as well as global events. And of course, for even quicker access to all of this information, you're more than welcome to download the Sputnik Africa application. The links are available on the website. Happy belated Peace Day to everyone. Hope you have a great weekend and I'll see you next time.